I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go on Scoop Podcast episode 401. This episode will be mostly on the Wolves, but a few quick notes before we go heavy on the Wolves conversations with Glenn Taylor and Brian Windhorst of ESPN. The Vikings on Saturday had scouting representation at the Alabama-Tennessee game, the North Dakota State-South Dakota State game, Penn State-Michigan, and Iowa State-Texas. Monday is decision day for Dennis Evans, stud center, senior from the state of California, USA basketball guy. So you know he's really good if USA basketball keeps inviting him back for all sorts of different activity. So the Gophers are in it. The Gophers are absolutely in it. The Gophers remain optimistic. I have a lot more on Evans on Scoop Podcast episode 400, a milestone only really by number, nothing out of the ordinary about episode 400. That was recorded on Friday. I'm recording this on Sunday morning, the 16th of October. The year is 2022. The optimism remains in place that the Gophers could land their biggest recruit since Chris Humphreys 19 years ago. So Monday will be the day that we find out. All right, on the Wolves, Jordan McLaughlin dealing with a sore shoulder. My understanding is he woke up a few days ago before that last preseason game. Well, the second to last preseason game, the last one on the road, the one in L.A. against the Lakers. He woke up that morning. Just the shoulder was sore. It doesn't sound like there's any sort of long-term concern. Carl Anthony Towns is at 232 pounds. He told us the other day his appetite is not all the way back. Yeah, there is some concern there. Like, I don't foresee him playing 38 minutes on Wednesday, 40 minutes on Friday, 39 minutes next Sunday, right? It's going to be a slow build. He is going to play, but he is far from 100%. It's going to take him some time to get back to 100%. The Wolves season ticket renewal rate, we'll get into this with Glenn Taylor, for this season has reached 93%. This is the first time it's been over 90% in 19 years. The team has also eclipsed 2,500 new season ticket sales. First time in franchise history. They've added new sponsors. There is buzz with the Wolves like we haven't seen in a really long time. This includes 2018. Congratulations to Luca Garza. He earned it, the two-way contract. I can eventually see P.J. Dozier. Helping the Wolves. The Wolves are pushing for him to be in Iowa. He has some flexibility. He's going to weigh his options, but the Wolves are very hopeful he will land in Iowa. Same goes for C.J. Ellaby. All right, let's now get to Glenn Taylor, Wolves owner. He's still the majority owner. He will be for the next 14 months at that point. Will it be a combination of Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez or just Mark Laurie? But Things seem to be moving in the direction where Glenn Taylor will no longer be majority owner. He still will be an owner, by the way. Don't forget that. It's not like he's just leaving the premises. Glenn Taylor will still be involved January of 2024, you know, God willing, health-wise and all that. But Glenn Taylor is not going anywhere. But the plan is for Mark Laurie minimum to become the majority owner in December of 2023. But for right now, Glenn Taylor 
is the majority owner. He is the big boss. Here's my conversation from the other day with Wolves owner, Glenn Taylor. Glenn, I always appreciate the time. Let's start with the most compelling information that I need to acquire. How was the lasagna dinner? How much fun was that a couple weeks ago when the whole team came down to Mankato? It was another great event. We ended up with 72 people when you took all the players, the staff, and and everybody down there. So we had a houseful, and uh, Becky had made uh, enough food for everybody and stuff like that, and we enjoyed it. Uh, We had a chance to do a lot of visiting. We do a, a, a thing called Business of Basketball, which is something that we do with our team each year in, in which I sort of lead and we talk about uh, basketball and our responsibility to the community and to each other and um, all kinds of things like that. So we we did that. We got everybody in the basement there. We have a big room there and and did the business part. And then we had a little bit of fun and, and everybody stayed a little late. <laughs> 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 and... Uh, Finished it off, and uh, we finished it off. I think she had pie, about uh, six different types of pies <laughs> for the guys, and they uh, they did. I think there was uh, there was uh, part of one pie left over. <laughs> that was it. So, well, no, but it, it went very well. Thank you. If she ever wants to host us media, we're more than welcome yeah. to make the drive down one sixty nine, Glenn. You just let us know when you want us to come over. Well, people would have to like lasagna. That's her favorite thing to cook. I love the lasagna. So was your message well-received? Was your sense that as you were addressing the group, your team, that they were all ears, that they're really engaged? They they were. They. Um, uh, I mean, we talk about the the importance of... Uh, of getting building our fan base, um, all the business things, and you know, and the reason for that is that we share the fifty percent of all that revenue with the players, so it's in their own interest to help that. But it's good for us. And then we spend another whole period of how important it is in the community that we get out in the community and people are aware of that uh, we're good citizens and and we care about uh, people who have disadvantages and stuff like that and and etc and we talk about investing of uh, the money you know that be be cautious of where you invest your money and just a lot of topics and they're always interested in things like that that is fantastic so when you say all that Glenn how disappointing was it with Anthony Edwards the comments he made the homophobic you know, language he used, and and he apologized at media day. He says he's going to turn that talk into action. So I'll be curious to see what action takes place. But was there some disappointment there with Anthony? Well, there's disappointment, but also I'm a older guy who has seen a lot of things happen to a lot of our employees in the past and stuff. And and I understand that young people make mistakes and mm-hmm. stuff like this. And once the mistake is made, the best you can ask them for is to to acknowledge it, apologize, and try to make up for it. And I think he will, right? I mean, is that the sense you I, have I that, that he I, is, you know, genuine when he says, like, not only talk, but he's going to back it up at some point with some action? Yeah, I think, you know, Tim had, had probably the most um, serious talks and, you know, knowledge uh, how it affects him in the future. And, uh, and I thought 
and I talked to Tim quite a bit, and I think that he did an outstanding job of uh, of recognizing um, how best to handle the situation. On your relationship with Tim, how has that evolved? I mean, you just said you talk to him pretty oh. regularly. I mean, <laughs> is it a rock-solid relationship? It really is. It started out good, and then it's gotten better. <laughs> but he's uh, he's he's very good about calling quite often. I mean, we talk about a lot more than just basketball, which I find interesting and enjoyable. I mean, we were both family guys, and really, families are really important to both of us. So we talk about all of those things. And his, you know, his wife's going to have a baby, so mm-hmm. Becky Becky gets in every conversation <laughs> and talks to him about you know motherhood, all those things that. So our relationship is really good. He's he's very good about either he or he'll instruct Manny to call me about any person who has, uh, let's say, a you know a sore knee or something like this. Here, he keeps me well informed of what's going on, and uh, and I appreciate that very much. Well, on the injury front, you have a bunch of guys kind of dinged up just a little bit right now, like you know Jordan McLaughlin, what like just a sore shoulder and. Cat and yeah, Gobert he, are battling he, some stuff. Yeah, when I talked to him yesterday, he gave me uh, five guys that that you would call dinged up. So, but is the idea that come next Wednesday, you know, we still have you know many he days anticip- to go, they'll be okay. At that point, he anticipated that everybody except maybe one person uh, who would be a come off the bench uh, will be ready. What excites you the most about this upcoming season? Well, I think that <clears throat> I think that uh, we've done a couple of things. I think our starting five is uh, going to do very well. I think we're going to be better in defense, which is where it probably was our weakness last year. And then I just watching these preseason games, I've been really encouraged with the uh, uh, the coach and him bringing in people off the bench, and everybody kind of. Uh, performing very well. So it, to me, it looks like our depth has gotten better. And, and you know, in, in this league, in this Western Conference, uh, you got to have that because these teams are so good. Well, on the depth, I'm with you. This is an incredibly deep team. Like, to me, if Nathan Knight is your 15th player, he could be the 12th player on some roster or 11th player. But does it amaze you that after the Rudy Gobert trade, when you traded so many guys, that all of a sudden you have this really deep team? I don't know if amaze is the thing. I'm thankful. <laughs> I'll share that word with you. I'm thankful it has worked out so well, and I just hope the the guys can continue that through this season. I mean, it seems like, Glenn, and you can speak to this, but you know, is this now all of a sudden, at least right now, like a mini destination, maybe not Miami or Los Angeles, but like Bryn Forbes comes here on a minimum contract, Austin Rivers comes here on a non-guaranteed well, contract, you get Kyle Anderson to commit here? Well, it does show that something we've seen that in in the past that players like to move to teams that are going to have a good chance of uh, winning and getting far into the playoffs and uh, they'll sacrifice uh, some money uh, to find themselves in that position. Is this the most excited you've been, the front office has been? Going back, really, 19 years, like 03, heading into that KG, Cassell, Sprewell season, or yeah, was would, it the Jimmy Butler season? Well, I would say that uh, the uh, Jimmy Butler season 
was an exciting one, and probably the most was the one that you went back to when we had KG and that group, because we knew we had a good group at that time, and it was just for them to perform, and they did. Jimmy Butler, we were we had high expectations, but I don't think we had the confidence, you know, until we saw it. And I mean, I would think from like a season ticket renewal standpoint, there's just there's this buzz that I just I can't recall, Glenn. Like maybe maybe you have the numbers better than I do, but I would imagine season ticket renewal rate is up in the in the ninety to ninety five percent range. I'm guessing you've no, sold is. a lot more no. season tickets. Like there's just there's a buzz that I just can't recall. The season tickets in the 90-some percent, I know that, high 90s. I mean, so it's just about perfect. And the selling of new tickets, uh, the last I talked to them, we were the number two team in the the league in selling new tickets. You know, so they're both uh, getting our previous people back into their seats and getting new people into the seats. Both have been extremely well, and and the sponsorship is, and uh, we picked up some new sponsors, and that has been really good. So I think at this point we want to get off to a good start, get a winning record, and then continue that push to get more fans in there and get sellouts. Well, I mean, I think it's a favorable schedule early when you play the Spurs three times, you play Oklahoma City, you play Utah. I just wish that there was more than one preseason game for Cat and Gobert to play together. Well, I do too. I think uh, it's been uh, um, sad to see that Cat has uh, had that experience, which he had to um, keep from getting into practice. He lost weight. Now he has to get himself back into shape. You know, that. that. So we just got to hope that uh, we get into these first games, we're able to win them, and he gets back his strength and um, experience to play in together because you're right I mean there's nothing there's no substitute other than to get out there and play with your teammates you got to get him some of that Becky lasagna right he's got to put on he's got to put on some weight he looks really <laughs> no, he skinny right that. now <laughs> he missed that I'm sure she offered to send some up there but he missed that he couldn't swallow so yeah, I mean, how scary was that I mean you know he told us he laid it out not in great detail but he told us he was in the hospital yeah, I was. They kept me pretty well informed of what was going on, and it was scary. But you know, your sense is he's okay now. It's just going to take maybe a few weeks to get really back into game shape. I think he lost a bunch of weight, so I think it's just uh, the weight and the strength. You know, I think uh, you miss and you go in the hospital and you you don't eat right and cut back. It it, it just takes a little while to get back. So my sense is, you know. That he might be a little under par for a couple of weeks, and and then uh, hopefully he's uh, regained his energy. Then on Gobert, it's like the reverse, right? Because he played such high level basketball for Eurobasket with France making it all the way to the championship game. Those games are so intense. Like he probably needed some rest time to ramp back up for October nineteenth. Well, no, he could have gone out there and played, and he would have, and stuff like this. But that was more the coach's decision. Is just saying we know what he can do. We just saw what he can do. Um, let's make sure that he gets some rest, and we don't need him for him to get injury. And he took a took. Uh, you know, he still was taking some um, help from the doctors um, to prepare him for this first game. 
What needs to take place on the court, Glenn, for you to view this year as a success? I mean, off the court, you just laid it out with new sponsors, new season ticket holders, all the previous season ticket holders renewing. Like, in many ways, off the court, it's already a success. But on the court, what needs to happen for you to say, okay, this year is a success? Well, first of all, it'll be the record, but how you get there, we just can't lose to teams that we are better in the past, we've just had a bad habit when we play teams that are missing maybe their star or or having a you know something unusual happen. We go in there and we just play poor. We we lower ourselves and we lose games that there's no reason for us to lose. So we've got to win all those games that are logical for us to win. And then you know against these better teams and there's a bunch of them, we've got to be competitive. So you start with winning your home games. We've got to win most of the home games. And then anything we can get beyond that, I think, is an extra plus. And that'll be the where the position will be in the finals, you know. I mean, we'll be, be in the top three, the top two, the top four. But we have to win some games on the road against good teams. Yeah, I mean, to me, like at just some point, Glenn, get to the second round, maybe even multiple times, but... Like, let's not forget, Glenn, only once in franchise history have you guys gotten to the second round of the playoffs. So, to me, at some point with Rudy, get to the second round and maybe a couple times at least. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Was Rudy always Tim's baby, like the trade idea? Like, if you guys had decided to elevate, say, such, and let's say Tim decides to stay in Denver, or you bring in some other president of operations, do you think Rudy Gobert would still be here? No, but I know how it sort of happened, um, and I don't know if it would if it would have happened the same way with Tim was here or not here. But I mean, it the opportunity was out there, and we just took it. Well, I mean, you probably had to beat out some other teams' offers, right? Like my understanding is there were a few teams in on Gobert, so you guys you guys had to find a way to win that sweepstakes, right? Yeah, but once the, we knew he was available, um, Tim brought the alternatives to me real quick of what our alternatives were, and we didn't have a lot of flexibility. Was he always plan A? Like, was the idea, hey, we want to bring in no, somebody that can no, really help he, us? There was there was the kind of A and A and A. <laughs> there was, they had about three alternatives. Of different players. Was this the one, though, deep down that you were always rooting well, this for? Well, this was their number one. Yeah, so, I mean, but everything the, worked out how they had hoped it would work out. It it did, but it wasn't the all, only alternative that they brought me. Do you sense there's a re-energized D'Angelo Russell? Maybe it's the contract year. Maybe it's the addition of Gobert. You know, he's never well, played well, really I, with a player like Gobert when it comes to the pick and roll. Like, I just sense there's kind of this rejuvenated D'Angelo Russell. Well, I would just say I had a. Uh, I talked to him before their baby was born. As talking to him on the phone, we talked basketball. We talked fatherhood. We talked some other things. But when we talked about basketball, he was uh, very excited about this year. He anticipated. There was every reason to believe that he would have a good year, and you know, and I'm hopeful that that's what happens. And if he does, uh, that'll make a significant difference in our team. If uh, if the opponents have to worry about his outside shooting, well, absolutely. And if he has the year that he plans on having, 
you can just pay him next summer. But did he tell you on the phone, Glenn, hey, how come you don't give me a contract extension? No, he didn't do anything like that. It was all positive. Yeah, and is that the way kind of you guys look at it? Hey, if we have a successful year, we feel like we can. D'Angelo, if you have a really good year, hey, you'll get paid next summer? Well, we have a mutual hope for, you know, having an outstanding year, and then you, when you do that, you have to reward your guys. Is there something to be said about guys year two to year three taking a pretty big leap, like that there's another leap that Anthony Edwards can take, there's another leap that Jada McDaniels can take? Well, I'm just saying that I've asked for the uh, the team to provide me historical uh, on different players who have done well in our league, and the third year for many of them has been uh, kind of the big jump year where they've gone from that rookie young uh, status to all of a sudden the third year they kind of have a really good idea of where they can go and their abilities. Now they improve after that, but it seems like that seems to be a bigger step than a lot of the, of the other years. What do you think will surprise us about your team this year? Hopefully nothing does because people have high expectations. Although there are some national talking heads, Glenn, that aren't necessarily buying this, that I saw John Hollinger of the Athletics say 47 (laughs) wins, and I'm like, John, they won 46 last year. Like, they should absolutely win more than 47 this year. Well, I mean, if you're talking about my expectations, they are that they should do better than that. And I guess the other people have their own opinion. Will there be any noticeable differences about the in-game experience from a fan standpoint when fans are there next Wednesday? Excuse me? Will there be any noticeable differences at Target Center, the fan, the in-game experience when fans are at the game starting with the regular season next Wednesday? I don't know if I really have asked that question of our guys. I've mostly just talked to Tim and the coach about the players, so I guess I haven't really um, talked to the business people and stuff about any of that. So I don't think I have an answer for you. No problem. On on another player, Jalen Noel, another guy in a contract year, I love what I've seen so far this preseason. Like, do you anticipate, now it's year four for Jalen, but another leap up for Jalen here in year four? Well, I'm hopeful. I mean, I think he's, I really like him as a person, and and I think that uh, he has really worked hard, and he deserves to have an opportunity to advance. And so far, I think I see it in the preseason. I'll give you another guy that I really like, Luca Garza. Glenn, he's an NBA <laughs> player, but he's not even on a two-way contract. Can you find a way to keep I, him? I well, I and that's had to do with a lot that his connection with Iowa and stuff like that. And we have the Iowa team down there and stuff like that. But uh, he's come in and and it certainly has met all of our expectations and more. I mean, he'll be great in Des Moines for a while, right? Like, I would think you would draw a lot of fans down in Des Moines. Well, that, that, that probably was the biggest motivation when we brought up his name, you know. But uh, he's certainly played. Uh, he's very competitive, and he's out there really working hard. And, and that's uh, the wonderful things. If opportunities can come to young men like that, that uh, beat their expectations and uh, somehow end up on the team and – and are able to contribute, and uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, he, he's surely done well so far. 
I mean, the roster is always fluid. I mean, he could start in Iowa, come up yeah. later on. But, like, as you anticipate next week, like, what we see is what we'll get. Like, are there any roster moves on the horizon, or is everything kind we of status quo? <clears throat> I'm not aware of any. The guys haven't brought any to me that they are looking at. But I would say just kind of knowing Tim, uh, you know, if something came up, he'll look at it. Back to Target Center, Glenn. At some point, do you think a new arena will be necessary? Yes. Right, just from an age standpoint, right? Like it's one of the older arenas in the league. Right, right. No, I think I think uh, when uh, Alex and you know Mark got involved, I think we talked about that that that'll be one of their projects in the future that they'll have to get involved. On Alex and Mark, all systems ago come, what is it, December for another payment? Oh, uh, that's, my, <laughs> that's my understanding of our agreement, yes. How has your relationship evolved with those two? I touched on your relationship evolving with Tim. How about with Mark and with Alex? Well, you probably should ask them. I think it's good. Um, you know, they attend, uh, I have them attend different meetings, and we have phone calls and that, and I've They'll be there at the game, and we'll probably be meeting. I know we'll be meeting before the game. Did you see that New York Post report, though, in August, you know, suggesting that maybe A-Rod isn't quite there financially? But, like, to me, then maybe Mark is, right? Like, if Mark has to chip in a little bit more money than Alex, like, I would still think there can be a partnership with those two. I really haven't got involved in that. They both said they'll be there, and I'll get my money, and that's what they said, so I believe them. I mean, is it? Still, like, Glenn, this technically will be, what, your second-to-last opening night as majority owner? Like, has that hit you at all, or will it hit you maybe more this time no, next I, year? No, that's a, it's not a plus or a minus. I'm still going to be involved. I, you know, there's no way that, you know, just because of my long history with this team that I, I'll still have the same seats, I'll still come to the games, you know, and stuff like this here, but. Uh, they'll still ask me questions, so I, I don't. Doesn't bother me. On the links, any closer to, to extending Cheryl Reeves' contract? Oh, I, I think the best thing to say is that that you know she's tied up until the end of the year, and and uh, she, she's uh, she and I have had our meetings, so we just have to work it out. Yeah, I mean, heck, I mean, there's a desire. Is it safe to say there's a desire both sides to get something done that she wants to continue in her role? You want her to continue in her role? Right, right. I mean, I just, I still wonder if one day she coaches men. Like, I'd love, I just think she's a brilliant tactician. And I'm not saying that she can't continue to have success coaching USA Basketball now, lead the links to another championship down the road. But, like, just being that brilliant tactician, I wonder how that would translate to coaching men one day. Yeah, but in my talking to her, you know, we talk about lots of things and stuff like this here. She still just talks long-term about, you know, coaching a women's team and and him being a championship. That That's her goal. How busy will this offseason be for, for your links? Will you guys have some cap flexibility to make some moves? Uh, we do. So are you anticipating a pretty busy offseason, maybe some, at least one big well, move? I, I will. That'll be our goal. 
I like it, Glenn. Anything we didn't hit on that you want to get out there for Wolves or Lynx fans? Anything that we didn't touch on? No, I look forward to seeing you at the game. Absolutely. It's oh. going to be a load of fun. I, like you, I have high expectations. Not that my expectations mean as much as yours or mean anything, well, but I think it's going to be a very fun season. All right. And you have a good evening. At some point, I'll get every detail of what plan A- minus was, plan B, plan C, plan D. Yeah, Rudy Gobert was always plan A. They were never in on Donovan Mitchell, right? Like you have Ann Edwards. You don't need Donovan Mitchell. They did touch base on Kevin Durant, but who else did they touch base on? I'll be digging on that, or I'm sure I'll stumble into that information at some point because there was a plan C, D, E to acquire another superstar, but Rudy Gobert was always the top target. All right, let's now transition to ESPN's Brian Windhorst. Wendy, always good to see you. ESPN.com, your most recent story, Dateline, Minneapolis. Take us through why you specifically came up here. Um, You know, I didn't actually know what story I was going to write when I got there. Um, I was at the first two or three days of, uh, training camp, which meant actually that I didn't get to talk to or see Carl at all, um, because he was gone. Um, and I really didn't know the story I was going to write. I knew that the wolves are, you know, one of the teams that I, that we think are going to make a big move this year. But frankly, I've been there before with them over the last 10 years, um, times where I thought that they were going to take a big step forward um, or had gotten off to a good start. Um, I've told this story before, but the last time I came to Minnesota to do a story was early when Ryan Saunders was coaching and they got off to that, you know, quality start. It wasn't like they were 15 and one, but they were like eight and four or nine and five or something. And I wrote a whole story and it never ran because they went on that losing streak. And um, I remember they'd made a big deal about putting the, you know, they'd gone to the, I think it was the Bahamas. Um, do you remember that? And they, I do remember they, that. Yep. That was they, a Gerson Rochat specialty. Yeah. They put a huge photo on the wall of all the guys, you know, in their bathing suits at the Bahamas and they, they blew it up real big and put it on the practice, uh, on the wall next to the practice court. And like by February, like, like seven or eight of those guys were gone. <laughs> they, were, they were not even on the team anymore. And the story, um, uh, uh, so, um, it was a, uh, you know, it's a bit of a, like, let's, okay, let me see what I can find out. And as I was there for three days and talked to people and talked to the executives, um, and specifically talking to Chris Finch, who I actually don't know among the head coaches in the league, I just don't really know him. You know, he got the job during the COVID year. It wasn't an opportunity. I mean, not the actual COVID year, but the year where there was limited access, and um, there's just been limited opportunity. So I had a, an opportunity to talk to him. And like what I took away from it was <clears throat> just how strong the belief is that Rudy Gobert is going to make such a huge difference. And um, I think, you know, people who are Wolves fans um, who live in the Twin Cities, they have a different frame of reference than people like me. You know, people like me look at something like this and they say, well, I don't know if he was worth the trade. I don't know about these picks. 
Um, I don't know about having to include the certain players in the deal. And like, I just, where I think Chris Finch, you know, was clear. He's like, look, we were seventh place. We did a great job to win, to get in, but you know, we needed to raise our ceiling. And he's like, this organization hasn't had success. So, you know, I, like one of the things about, and I put this in the story, I was, I was a little bit concerned that the wolves had built kind of jazz North, um, a team that would potentially be really successful in the regular season, but might be challenged in the playoff setting. Well, the jazz just had six consecutive playoff runs The one year they were the number one seed. I believe they got to one West finals, you know, they got, had a little bit underachieving in the playoffs, but they had a great run with Rudy. And frankly, they didn't have a player like Carl Towns playing next to him. You know, they had a player like Ann Edwards in, uh, in Donovan Mitchell. I mean, they're, they're different in some ways, but you know, they're, perimeter scores but if the wolves could have four or five years like the jazz just had it would be incredible for the franchise um you know i, I don't th- and i and i don't think chris finch or tim Connolly or matt lloyd or or sasha and gupta or any of them are saying like oh yeah this is a championship team it's like maybe 68 wins and maybe we we go 16 and two and i mean no one's saying that they're just saying we didn't think um seventh place and winning the play-in was, you know, w- worth resting on our laurels. And um, I respected that. That was the thing I, I walked away from it is, is that, um, you know, <clears throat> and not that I thought that they were being flippant in trading for Rudy. Um, obviously they put a lot of thought into it, but detailing some of the things that they were looking at that where they think Rudy can help them other than, just going to get more rebounds and block some more shots, which is obvious, but the level of detail of study that they put in and why they got committed to it. I'm sorry. That was a long answer. No, no. Hey, I have no problem. We'd be putting the quarter in the machine, letting you go. Do you share their belief? Like to me, it was an easy yes. If you're Danny Ainge in Utah, of course you take that offer. Although, you know, they pushed for Jada McDaniels, but to get all those assets, like to me, it was an easy yes. Range, but here's where I understand it from the Wolf standpoint. You touched on it a little bit. Wendy, they've been around since the late 80s. They have been to the second round of the playoffs one time. Yes. That yes. was it, the 0304 season. We need to go back 19 years since they've advanced past the first round. So, like to me, the bar's not super high. Now, at some point, maybe to justify this trade, you need to make some sort of run to the Western Conference Finals, or who knows. Maybe the NBA Finals. But, like, to me, at some point here in the next couple of years, just get to the second round. We can celebrate that here. Yeah, for sure. And, um, look, I mean, I put this in the story, but, like, I know that Mark Laurie was a uh, – I'm not saying he was, like, saying – I'm not, you know, saying that he was the guy who who said he that it had to happen, but he was a big supporter of this move. I assume in trading – all of these picks that the guy who's going to own the team has to say yes to something like that. It's a, you know, I know that Glenn still technically has a joystick, but obviously in this particular awkward situation, you would need to have the guy trading and he was all in for it. And it reminded me of, um, you know, Joe Lakeup when he really pushed for the Warriors, you know, he had owned the team for a little over a year and he pushed for the Warriors to trade for Andrew Bogut. Um, he traded Monte Ellis for Andrew Bogut. He was driving that trade and, uh, he famously then got booed 
uh, Chris Mullins uh, jersey retirement. He came out to center court and he got booed because the fans loved Monte Ellis. But he believed. Um, and I mean, look, he had, you know, Jerry West around the Bob Myers. I mean, like it wasn't just him, but, you know, he believed that he needed a defensive base franchise center. And here you have, you know, the owner here going, we need a defensive base franchise center to make this work, um, to put alongside our other stars. And it was really like his first big throw, throwing his weight around as an owner when it came to player acquisition. And again, I'm not, I don't want to imply that I know that Mark Lurie drove this bus, but he was obviously very much in support of it. And it reminded me of that, um, you know, a new owner saying, let's get this franchise player in here. And I will say this, like, um, and I put this in the story that, you know, again, a lot of people in the league were at a place and so fans are very sophisticated. And especially when it's not your team, there tends to be an analysis of the trade. I'm going to retire that for the time being. Let's, you know, let's not focus on the, 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 you know, the pieces in the trade or whether the Wolves were bidding against themselves or whatever. Let's just focus on the team that they have. And they have a team that I think will win a lot of games. Um, uh, one thing, I mean, obviously Wolves fans know this, but, you know, one thing for me to point out to the national audience the Wolves were the number one offense in the league last year, the whole league from January 1st onward. Uh, Towns and Edwards are shot creating beasts. They are tremendous in creating shots for themselves and shots for others. And Chris Finch knows this. And he, as the season went along, really put them in position to be, to do that. And, you know, when you have that weapon that, I mean, I don't expect that to retreat. I expect that to expand because I think Ant's game is going to expand. I mean, you look at him, you know, you're sort of thinking he can be an all-star this year. And so when you have that, that's, that's something. And they didn't, they didn't, it wasn't like they had a bad defense. They had a middling defense. They had a middling defense that was weak at the rim and weak rebounding. And so they went out and got, you know, arguably the best rim protector in the league. I would say that he is, but I don't want to, you know, fight about it. And they got the guy who led the league in rebounding last year. Um, they also have very good, you know, supporting role players. Despite having traded Beasley, um, I kind of like guys that they are going to be bringing in off the bench. Like, I think Torian Prince is a quality player. I think uh, uh, Noel is a quality player. Um, I, you know, and I think that they're in, still in position to even, um, potentially even, in, you know, increase that. So, um, you know, Austin rivers, I don't think Austin rivers is going to wow you every night, but as a guy on a minimum contract, my guess is he will help them win three to five games this year. So, um, I like their team. I think their top three players are all elite within their position. They're going to be able to, to have uh, either Towns or Gobert on the court for the full 48 minutes. Towns should have should be in less foul trouble and have more opportunity to shoot threes, which is his greatest weapon. Um, then, you know, I, it looks to me, based on my conversations, that they're going to um, try to play uh, uh, Russell and uh, Gobert together. Uh, obviously, they're going to start, and they'll play the start of the halves and, and the end of the game together, but it looks like Finch is going to set the rotation so that Russell 
and Gobert together, um, focusing on those guys playing pick and roll, where they should be able to funnel shots to Gobert. Um, you know, Russell sort of being a creator in that way, and then they'll keep Towns and uh, and Ant connected. You know, in the rotation. And as we know, that's an absolutely, you know, vicious, devastating offensive punch. And so when you think about the idea of what they're going to be able to deploy if they're healthy through the course of the game, you know, they're going to be very formidable. And I believe in Chris Finch as a, as an excellent coach. So, you know, my in looking at them, like, you know, if things go the way they they think, I mean, you know, they've got a real shot to be a top four team. I mean, and, is um, that the bar yeah. to you? I mean, like, for this year to be a success, what needs to take place? Like, they won 46 last year. So, right. like, winning 47, that probably doesn't do it. Like, do you need to get to 50 wins? Do you need to finish top four if you finish fifth I mean, or sixth? Does it come down to how you perform in the playoffs? Like, how do you view this year for the Wolves so, for it to be a success? I'm so shy to say it because, like, I remember when Tibbs got hired, and I was convinced that that he was going to improve their defense. And I think I even went so far as to say I thought that team was going to be a 50-win team. And uh, they were not. I think they won like 34 games. Um, so I'm – but I think that they have – their talent base, especially for a regular season situation, is elite. Um, you start looking at the rosters out there, how many teams can can – compete with that top three it's a short list especially in the western conference where you know okay the suns and the and the warriors and the and the clippers you know have great talent but that one two three i'm not sure i'm not sure that even like the suns and the and the and the clippers you know the clippers overall depth is better but i mean in terms of straight talent I mean, they are top four in straight talent. I mean, whether they're going to put it together and stay healthy, <clears throat> I don't know. But, um, you know, and then, you know, I don't know where you put Russell. I mean, in my mind, he's fourth. But if you want to expand it to fourth and now you're looking at who's got that talent four deep, it's just not that many teams. So, you know, I, I don't know. What, it's hard for me to know, like, how good is Denver going to be? Um, but, like, if you're looking at the teams in front of them, you're saying, well, they're going to pass Utah, right? And I don't know where Dallas is going to be, but, you know, they got a shot to pass Dallas. So now we're talking about maybe being fifth. And can they be better than Denver? You know, will Phoenix backslide a little bit based on their challenges? Like, I mean, I can construct a case without having to to, to bend too far to to construct a case that they that they that they definitely could do it. What about Memphis? You know, Kyle Anderson comes here, yeah. Melton's gone, Jaron Jackson Jr. I don't know if he's going to miss five, six games, or if it's going to be more like twenty something games. But well, I know, I know Memphis. that I know they they're acting like he'll be back sooner rather than later. But I've watched this before with him. He was coming back from a previous knee surgery. You know, they thought he was going to be back early and he didn't get back to like January. So, um, you know, Memphis is, Memphis is also upwardly mobile. You know, they, they, they lost a couple of players, not only Anderson, but they traded Anthony Melton and um, they're starting uh, a rookie. They're going to start a rookie in uh, place of Jaron Jackson. Um, 
So, but they have um, over they have between um, Danny Green and uh, Dylan Brooks, they have over twenty million dollars in expiring contracts. They had even more until Stephen Adams extended. Um, I think they could potentially get better midseason. But yeah, I mean Memphis, Memphis to me, and I it's dangerous to say this because it can be used against you. Memphis to me may be a, a, a hair overachieved in terms of their 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 record versus their roster last year. Um, you know, you could argue that Phoenix did too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I I wouldn't necessarily say that the Wolves would pass Memphis, but that was obviously a very tight series last year, and you know, a big reason that they that the Grizzlies won games five and six was because they killed the Wolves on the boards killed them i think it was uh plus almost like plus 30 and i know that it, you know just evening the rebounding doesn't necessarily change everything there was a lot going on in those series but you replay that series with this with these two rosters i'm not sure it goes the same way so it's it's debatable for sure who else was in on gobert or do you think the wolves were bidding against themselves like in the moment in july windy I was led to believe there were a few teams in the mix, but like in the end, I, I guess I don't know if those teams made like concrete offers. Like, do you have a sense of of who the Wolves were bidding against? Did they beat out some other teams for Gobert? Yeah, there were some teams that were interested. I mean, I know Toronto had interest. I think Chicago was was kicking it around. Um, off the top of my head, I mean, don't a hundred percent hold me to this, but I feel like I, I feel like Washington maybe was in there. Um, you know, uh, the challenge with Gobert is, number one, his contract. His contract is enormous. And so there are some teams that believe that to take on his contract, that that is almost viewed as a negative asset. Is even as good of a player he is, the guy who's getting paid like this. I mean, you know, there were teams that would have said to the Jazz, we'll take Rudy Gobert, but we're not going to send you, you picks. You're going to have to send us picks. In other words, we'll send you players to match the the contract, but we're not going to, you know, the incentive for you to trade him to us is that, you know, the incentivization should be given to us because we're taking on this money. So in addition to him being, you know, a bit of a, a different fit in this particular day and age, there was that contract. And so um, I don't, you know, that's the real question, you know, who was willing to, to pay that kind of price. The, the Wolves point is that to get a player, of his value and not having to give up your stars, your best players is worth it. And so their plan is to be hugely competitive for the next five to seven years as they move through Carl Towns and Aunt Edwards's prime. And that those picks that they gave away are going to be picks in the twenties and that, you know, even if the occasional role player that you could hit in the twenties would hit, like it's not of consequence. And so their point is the cost to us is not the same as the cost as it would be, for example, to the, 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 the Knicks, you know, the Knicks were a team that had a bunch of picks and it's not, I'm not saying that the Knicks were even in on Gobert, you know, they have their own center, but like, let's say the Knicks were considering Rudy Gobert. Well, you know, the Knicks don't have Carl Towns and Ann Edwards. So the value to the Knicks, Rudy Gobert wouldn't have the same value. Um, the value to the Bulls, 
I mean, maybe because they have star players, but part of the reason why the Wolves were willing to do what they did to get him was they were adding him to what they thought were three other all-star level players and um, him being sort of that fourth piece to them. It reflected that value. It's not going to have the same value to other teams. So that's why, you know, discussing this trade, it, 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 you, there's some nuance and some gray area in it, you know? Um, and the thing about it is, is that the wolves are never very unlikely ever going to be a free agent destination. So, you know, the way that they're going to get star players is by drafting them and trading for them. So if you look at those four guys, they have two of them, they drafted two of them, they traded for, they have played the system the best they can. They said, we have drafted our stars. Now it's time to, to use our picks to, to trade for the stars. And so that's what they've done. They've used picks to trade for two guys. They think are all-star level and they've drafted, you know, two guys at number one. And, and this is what you have to hope. This is, you know, this is the, um, you know, they've set, they sort of, they've set their lineup. They've, they, you know, they've got their hand and now they're going to play it. You brought up Mark Laurie's name earlier in the conversation. Did you try to track him down for your story? Like, and I spoke with Glenn Taylor just the other day, according to Glenn, he thinks it's all systems ago, still another payment coming in December, then the final payment December of, of 2023. But there was that New York post story you know, on A-Rod, does A-Rod have the money? But like, my understanding is Mark has, has the money. So if it's not a perfect 50-50 split, Mark and Alex, Mark can make up the difference. But like, what are you hearing on that front? And did you try to track down Mark for your story? I didn't call Mark. Uh, I know that he, he does engage with the media. I didn't call him. Um, but I obviously talked uh, uh, to people about where he was on it. Um as far as uh, their purchase of the Wolves, I know a little bit more than I want to say on this. Uh, to, I don't want to get aggregated. But I will say that um, I don't think Mark and Alex – well, I'm going to stop right there. Let's put it this way. They bought the team for $1.5 billion. It's an incredible steal at that price um, because we are probably going to see the Suns sell for – more than double that. And I realized that the Wolves More than are not double? The same. Oh, yes. Wow. Oh, yes. Um, I don't think it's even going to be close to double. I think uh, I think their investment, uh, let's put it this way. If they're able to close that deal at 1.5, my guess is that they will be deemed to have equity instantaneously. Um, uh, I would, while I don't work in uh, high finance, I would doubt that Mark would have issue getting the money to buy the team at 1.5. Probably the most valuable thing that he has got going in his portfolio is the contract to buy the team at that valuation. And I, and I don't think he's buying hundred percent of the team. So I think he's, he doesn't have to actually have to come up with a full one five. He has to come up with a portion of that. Uh, that's one thing that happens when people talk about team prices, you know, for example, Robert Sarver, has 35% of the Suns. So if the Suns sell for $1 billion, it's going to sell for a lot more than that, his percentage would be $350 million. So if the Suns sell for $10 billion, which they won't, it doesn't mean he's going to have $10 billion. People don't always, uh, you know, the other thing is, is that a lot of teams are significantly in debt and the debt has to be settled when teams are, I mean, the debt has to be settled. It's transferred. So, um, I don't know how much debt uh, I don't know how much debt Glenn has. I don't know how much debt the Wolves have on there, 
on their books and how much debt um, the Suns have. But, you know, again, he may not have to, some of the purchase price might be assumption of debt. And so he may just sort of be taking over that payment as opposed to writing the check for it. Depends on how they structure the deal. I don't think Mark Laurie, you know, my guess is I don't, is that Mark Laurie will not have a problem financing this deal. Um, if he even have to, even if he has to bring in more partners and he's got a great deal, he has a great deal at I'm telling you right now, if the wolves were for sale today, I think they would go for, for an amount above one five. And I know that one five was viewed as a good price. And that was the price that Glenn wanted it. Um, I think Mark did a very good job to get the, the team at that price. And he had to, whatever deal, however they came up with the, uh, the layaway plan or whatever, whether that was Mark's, you know, preference or that was Glenn's preference. Um, that has only, that has only favored him. And if you look at the way that the wolves are spending money uh, now, granted this does happen with new ownership. We do sometimes see new owners come in and, you know, inject money and then they pull back. Like for example, everybody remembers, you know, you know, Mark Cuban coming in and like just flooding the zone with money. And to this day, Mark Cuban has a reputation as being like this high spender. The truth is that the Mavericks don't spend. They haven't spent for a decade. Um, uh, so, it, you know, it happens. Um, and, but, you know, going out and getting Tim Connolly, going out and taking on um, the Gobert contract. I mean, it was a no-brainer to extend towns, but still to trade for a $200 million contract and then sign a $200 million contract in the same summer. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Russell. He is extension eligible right now. I have not heard any discussion about him getting an extension. Well, I mean, I think his um, representation has reached out to the Wolves, but it doesn't seem yeah. like it's being reciprocated. Yeah, I mean, he. I think he makes about $31, $32 million. Um, You know, I'm not sure that he would get a lot more than that uh, on the market, but, like, the Wolves have to consider that. I mean, he's a valuable piece to them. I mean, he – you don't want him to walk, but, you know, he's he's in a walk year. So, well, I mean, um, what's the alternative in a year, right? It's not like you're going to have all this cap space to go sign somebody else, right? So Russell, to me, is in a position of power, especially now playing with Gobert, right? Like that to me is, yep. is very beneficial <laughs> to D'Lo. So D'Lo has yep. incentive just to play this thing out. He doesn't need to be upset right now that an extension hasn't taken place. Right, But certainly when they made the decision to go trade for Gobert, they knew that they had Russell's contract situation. So the way that they are spending is not a guy who's worried about, um, you know, so I, I, you know, I don't know if, you know, we don't have enough information. We don't know about, about the future, whether this is going to be the way they're going to operate, but they're operating like a team that is not afraid to spend money. Like I said, they, you know, went out and, and paid a, uh, they paid a team president $40 million. So, um, you know, I think the, the short term future for the wolves looks very good. And I would say that the ownership situation doesn't give me any pause. The value of the organization is more than what their contract is to pay for it. And when that's the case, you even in this tough, you know, borrowing market, I do not think he will have a problem, uh, you know, finishing off the uh, finishing off the uh, the purchase. How big a fan are you of Tim Connolly? I have known Tim since two thousand and one. And um, he had one of the most advantageous situations in the NBA. What I mean by that is um, uh, his relationship with his owner 
and his head coach uh, was almost ideal. Um, and not only was he in a great relationship with um, Josh Kroenke, but he, I believe he was on the board of Kroenke Sports Enterprises, which obviously owns the LA Rams, Arsenal, you know, various buildings and other properties. Like he was very much tied into their business. Um, and he had a two-time MVP in his mid-20s who, with 0.0 drama, signed uh, an extension. He's locked in for six more years. And I think will probably be great for all six of those years because I don't think his game – I mean, first, first off, he's never been hurt, knock on wood, and his game is not predicated on athleticism. I don't think he'll fade. If anything, he's going to get better. Um, it is not a super high pressure environment. Obviously they, they want to win, but like, it's not like running the LA Lakers or the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and it was a great situation. And like, he probably could have had that job seriously for 15 or 20 more years. And he would have been underpaid in all 15 years because that organization does not financially, they, I'm not saying they don't value leadership. They just don't financially value them. And I mean, you know, one thing that you didn't hear when Tim Connolly came to the Wolves was compensation sent back to the Nuggets. Uh, whenever else, when, you know, we've seen this happen a couple of times where a coach or a GM who's under contract has been hired away and they have to give a draft pick or money. Why didn't the Wolves have to give money? Because Connolly had an out in his contract. And the reason he had an out in his contract is because he was vastly underpaid. And the Nuggets were like, yeah, we're going to underpay you. Uh, but, you know, in, you know, in return, you can just walk whenever. And the same thing happened with Masai Ujiri. This is, Masai Ujiri is one of the most respected uh, leaders in the NBA. The guy is, um, you know, considered one of the most valuable assets of the Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment Empire which is one of the biggest operations in all of Canada. And uh, they got him for zero. Thank you. We appreciate it. Um, they don't value their guys. So Tim, Tim had to make this decision. Do I stay in this job where I can be comfortable and moderately successful? And who knows, maybe we'll, you know, light Neil strike and we'll get lucky. And, and by the way, like uh, Cronky Sports Enterprises last year raised two title trophies. Okay. It's not like their way of doing business. I mean, they upset people along the way. I'm not, holding them up as, uh, as the way everybody should operate. But it's not like their business model is a failure. They, they won the Super Bowl and the Stanley Cup. And right now, their soccer team, Arsenal, looks like um, a great a great contender to win the Premier League this year. Um, and I'm sure the Nuggets can be a playoff team. They do well. Um, but Tim had this really big decision to make. And he thought about it for a long time. I mean, this was, as you know, this, was, this, this went on for weeks about whether he was going to take this job. And basically, he got this this offer that he just couldn't say no to. Uh, it's it's, And I don't want to compare the Wolves to live golf because that is a bad comparison. But like some of these golfers could have been very happy on the PGA Tour, but they were like, how the hell am I going to pass up this opportunity? I could, I could kick myself in five, 10 years for not doing this. And I think Tim was in the same boat. He was like, I don't want to leave, but how can I not? And so... You know, again, this is Mark Laurie coming in and saying, okay, who can I get? 
you know, he made it a priority to get the best uh, general manager that he could or um, executive that he could. And he researched it. You know, he, he, he didn't take it didn't take him five minutes. He looked at it really hard and he goes, well, there's there's one guy out there that I could get like I he can't get Pat Riley. He can't get R.C. Buford. He can't get Sam Preston. I mean, he can call and ask. He could get Tim Connolly, and he made that his his uh, priority, and he got him. I'll leave you with this. Who are some realistic trade targets if we're thinking about the Wolves upgrading at some point, whether it's immediate or it's mid-January, late January, early February? And, like, what assets do they have to give up? Now, Nas Reed is an expiring contract, but he can help the Wolves. I don't know if I'm moving Nas Reed if I'm Not right now. Not right now. So, like, what are the pieces they could ship out? But who are some logical, realistic trade targets for them? Well, when they – when they extended Torian Prince, the, the the purpose of that was to sort of create a trade. I mean, I shouldn't say the purpose, but the way that they handled that was to create an asset that they could trade. Um, and that was a shrewd move. Um, so they, they would have that, you know, their draft capital is kind of thin now. Um, but um, I don't, I wish I could say these are the three guys they could go after, but I, um, I definitely think, you know, they now have too many centers. Right. They have kind of one too many centers. So one of their centers, one of their backup centers is definitely, um, uh, you know, t- you know, to watch that. And then obviously, I think the reason they sign, you know, and Torian Prince plays a, a position where a lot of teams want. And I mean, he's bounced around the league for a reason. A lot of teams want that guy. So you do have some trade assets. I think one of the things that's going to happen this year, there's too many teams that think they're going to win. <clears throat> there's, um, there's, you know, Definitely in the East and in the West, um, the, the depth isn't there, but um, there's some teams that think they're going to at least make the play and that are not going to fit. So with this draft being so good, I suspect that when we get to December or January, there's going to be some teams that are going to look to throw it into reverse. And it's possible there will be some opportunities there for some teams looking to upgrade, especially if you can provide some, expiring contracts which the wolves uh, have some of so um i think that there will be a number of teams on the hunt i mentioned earlier the grizzlies being in that boat um the lakers have the biggest expiring contract in the league uh russell westbrook so they will be in that boat and they have picks so i'm sure they will all be looking out like hawks so um that'll be you know and Connolly um is known for making some <clears throat> some deadline deals. I mean, he made a deadline deal with the Wolves, I think, two years ago. So um, uh, definitely something I'm sure they're going to watch. And they're also going to learn from this team. They've got to learn how all this all fits together. Unfortunately, because they, you know, because Carl was ill and then um, they just had to give Rudy some rest. Um, a little bit worried about Finch talking about his left knee barking at him. Uh, however, his left knee has been something he's cared for for five years. It's not a new issue. Yeah, I mean, he's worn a knee brace going back some time. Like, (coughs) this isn't a new phenomenon, him wearing a brace. No, but Finch was like, you know, he's getting a lot of treatment on it. I mean, Finch acknowledged that it may be barking at him. So that was a little bit worrisome. But, I mean, it shouldn't keep you up at night. But, but yeah, you know, so it's a little bit unfortunate that they haven't had to get – they haven't had um, any chance to really build chemistry in the preseason. So they're going to have to watch the team develop for you know four to six weeks and then maybe have a better idea of what they might want to do windy always appreciate the time the wolves do have a favorable at least you look at their first six seven games three against the spurs one against the jazz one against the thunder so 
you know, they could play like crap against those three teams and still probably win all those games early on. Yeah, and I would say take advantage of those Jazz and Spurs games because there's not going to be a lot of nights in the NBA this year where you're going to be like, well, <clears throat> this is going to be an easy night. Like, you know, you can't pencil in wins in against Sacramento, especially if you're out there. You can't, you can't pencil in wins against, uh, like, New York. Like, that ain't going to be, you know, I mean, like, there's going to – you know, you could you know, the Wolves could win forty nine games and be a lot better team uh, than than that indicates. I mean, I it's all just going to be part of the calculus. So when the Spurs get there, and by the way, the Spurs are happy to lose. So go ahead and take them, but make sure you do take them. Wendy, thank you as always. I'll be in touch. Have a good weekend. Love catching up with Wendy. Oftentimes, I just sit back. I just absorb. Right. It's a Scott Klingenbeck fastball. I just I deliver it right down the plate. I let him hit it out of the yard, right? I just sit back, absorb all his knowledge. Always appreciate Wendy's time. It all gets going Wednesday night, Wolves and OKC. It's unfortunate. No Chet Holmgren homecoming on Wednesday with him being out for the season. A very favorable early portion of the schedule for the Wolves. Five of their first six games against two, OKC, Utah, all those games against San Antonio, a little bit later on, Houston, like the Wolves need to feast early. Like to me, be 10 and 2 after 12 or 9 and 3 minimum after 12. That is the pathway to getting the Vegas over at 49 and a half wins. I do think they win 50 or 51. I don't think they win 57 or 58, but I would take the Vegas over. It is going to be a very, very fun season. Always appreciate you listening. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 401. Stay safe, stay sane. Need a gift idea for the outdoor adventure in your life? Shop the Allbirds Mizzle Collection, made with water-repellent puddle guard technology and ZQ-certified merino wool with a low environmental impact. It's a natural fit for winter runs. And Allbirds offsets the carbon footprint to make their Mizzle Collection carbon neutral, so you can take comfort in treading lighter. Get on their nice list this year with the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com.